Most of us don't just want to read our Bible. We want to enjoy it. We want to understand it. This is the Bible Field Guide podcast. We make the Bible make sense. Today, we are returning to our Genesis study, and we're going to ask an incredibly important question. What questions are Genesis 1 and 2 really trying to answer? If you have time, I want you to pause this podcast and answer this super simple question. When you come to the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2, what kind of questions do you want to ask it as a modern reader? Seriously, pause it. Think about it for just a second. When I ask this question in classes that I teach, the answers that I get are usually pretty similar. Some of them are philosophical, which I'm not going to deal with today, but most of them are scientific. It's questions like this. Where did the world actually come from? Is Genesis compatible with science, with evolution? Did humans really come from apes? Uh, Did God really do all of this in six days? Was it by speech? Oh, and what about the dinosaurs? I got to say, none of these are bad questions, but all of these are modern questions. They're great questions. They're good questions if you're reading a biology textbook or a physics textbook. But honestly, they're not so great questions if you're reading Genesis 1 to 2, because Genesis 1 to 2 never claims or tries to be a science textbook answering scientific questions. And if you ask it the wrong questions, you're going to get bizarre answers. What kind of questions then is Genesis actually trying to answer? Well, let me give you a set. Who is Yahweh? What's the purpose of this world? Who are we? Who are humans? How should we live? What brings life and blessing into creation? What brings death and curse? We're going to explore all of these questions in upcoming podcasts, and we'll be looking at the answers that Genesis 1 to 2 actually has on offer. But today, I want to focus on a different question, because I think it's actually the question at the heart of our modern question-asking problem. You see, when it comes to cosmic origins, we modern people, we tend to get fixated on material, physical origins. We want to know where all this physical stuff came from. In fact, we're so fixated on the material, atomic origins of the universe, and later on, on animal life and how it developed, that we can't even imagine that people might want or might even possibly understand a different kind of origins. Now, I know this might all sound really perplexing. Okay, so let me tell you this. Ancient Near Eastern people were not fixated on the material origins of the world. They just took it as a given. I mean, they looked around them. Here's the world. It's here. There we go. It's not until later in the Bible that biblical authors start answering the question, where did the material world come from? You can look at passages like John 1 and Colossians 1, which say unequivocally that the material universe was a creation of God out of nothing. But Genesis 1, it's not fixated on where stuff came from or how biological life developed. Genesis 1 is asking an entirely different question. Here's the question it's asking. What gave the material world its purpose, its functionality? In fact, when Genesis 1 says that God created, it's not so much focused on God materially creating things. I mean, that might be in view, but it's far more focused on functional creation. In other words, when God creates something, he's giving something its purpose. 
Okay, so this is a really complex idea, and I want us to get our minds around it. So I'm going to give a few different examples. But for a modern person, something exists, or it's created when it comes into material and physical existence. But for an ancient Near Eastern person, something existed, or it came into existence when it was given its function or purpose. Uh, Think about it like an iPhone, okay? So for a modern person, an iPhone exists, or it's created once it's manufactured. To understand how it was created, we ask questions about what it is, right? We say, what's the screen made out of? What's the hardware, the microchips, the circuitry? But for an ancient person, an iPhone only existed once it's functional, once its operating system is loaded, turned on, and functioning. For an ancient person, an iPhone doesn't really exist until it's functioning. So for them, to create an iPhone isn't just to make the object of the iPhone, it's to make it functional, One more illustration. Consider a university. By the modern definition of creation, a university exists once all of the classrooms and offices and dorms are built. The material place exists. But for an ancient person, the university only exists once it actually functions. Once there are actual professors teaching students and students there actually learning. Again, for moderns, creation is about something going from non-material existence into material existence. But for ancient people, creation is about something going from non-functional existence into functional existence. Let me show you an example. We see it right in the very first uh, example of creation in Genesis 1. This is Genesis 1 verses 3 to 5. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So let's just ask a question. Is God, in this passage, creating material light? As in, is he creating photons and particles of light? Well, let's just read the text in verse 5. It says, he called the light day. And he called the darkness night. I don't know if you caught it because we have to think really hard. God isn't creating the physical, material substance of light. He's giving that pre-existent light, the, the material light's already out there. He's giving it its function. And its function, at least from an earthbound perspective, is this. Light, you have the function of being day. He's saying, light, here's your job description in my kingdom. Your job is to be day. On day one, God creates, but he's not creating photons. He's not creating material. When he creates, he gives it a function. I think that it's telling that that at this point on day one, God hasn't created any sources of light. In fact, he doesn't create any sources of light until day four. It's on day four that he makes the sun, the moon, and the stars. And again, this makes literally no sense if God is manufacturing, if he's materially creating the sun and the moon and the stars, because how did light exist before those things? Again, it doesn't make any sense unless God creating the sun, moon, and stars is actually God giving them their function and purpose. And guess what? If you read day four carefully, that's exactly what happens. God gives the sun and the moon their function. He gives them a job responsibility. Check this out, verses 16 and 17. God made two great lights. The greater light, here's its job, to govern the day, and the lesser light, here's its job, to govern the night. 
We're getting right to the heart of why Genesis and science aren't conflicting with each other. Science is often focused on material origins. And again, to be clear, God did create the material universe out of nothing, uh, but science dives into the mystery of how God made that material creation and seeks to tell us uh, how that came about. But in Genesis 1-2, Genesis is answering a whole different set of questions, which is, what's the function, the purpose of this material creation? To answer that question, uh, we're going to have to spend a few podcasts looking at a number of different things inside of creation. Thanks for listening to Bible Field Guide. Please subscribe and give us a rating if you've liked this content. It helps other people find it a lot more easily. If you don't follow us on Instagram, just search for Bible Field Guide or click the link in the show notes. We're doing all kinds of great images that are visualizing the things that we're talking about in this podcast. Or if you don't have Instagram, you can check out our website, biblefieldguides.com, and you can browse what we've created so far.